Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons. He's Jordan McNamara, and we share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Big three thoughts for the week centering around contracts in the NFL, get some deals done, as well as the running back landscape here. So, what we saw with the deadline passed now to sign those longer term deals. They didn't happen for Josh Jacobs or Sequan Barkley. Tony Pollard signs his franchise tag. We'll see what the future holds for Jacobs and Barkley. We do know that the current CBA, it's not really conducive to sitting out, missing games. It's highly punitive for players. So we'll see how long this lasts for Barkley and Jacobs. But I know this. Those are three motivated running backs because they want to get their money and at minimum, they're going to be playing for it yet again, like Jacobs did in 2022, because they're going to be playing for 2024 at this point. Yeah, a couple of things on that. Uh, it's worth noting that they have not signed their their tenders yet. They have not signed their actual tags yet. So they right. are not obligated to show up to training camp. They cannot be fined. So okay. just sort of for, but what for week one, they would lose money for week one is what they I would lose money for week one, but they did not get fined at the start of training camp. Right. They might, um, get, they might sign by like, I think I heard on another show, they might be signed by, you know, Monday, Tuesday of that week one. <laughs> you could absolutely see that. Yes. Um, so I actually went through and I, I went and uh, did a ton of research today on the running back issue because I was wondering if, if there's something going on. Um, Chad, do you know where the free agent market ranked in the last 10 years in terms of money spent on free agent running backs this year? In the last 10? Yeah. I will say third. It ranked first. Okay. Okay. It was the most expensive for actual free agents. Where the difference lies, and I think that you have to be careful and understand, right, when you're actually having a conversation about these issues on running back compensation, where the difference is, is teams are not extending running backs. So when you look by far the worst, if you, if you don't include the franchise tag numbers, which you could debate whether or not you should include it in this calculation, if you actually included it in this calculation, it actually kind of bumps it up to being like a median type year, uh, well below average, but a median type year uh, in terms of like treating those as extensions on, on the money. Uh, but this is the least amount of money that anyone that any running backs uh, have gotten in extensions. Again, the offseason's not over, so it's possible that number goes up. I doubt it, but it's possible. Uh, so I think that's an interesting aspect. Like when you kind of look at it in terms of running backs hitting free agency, I don't think that there's this massive concern about running backs and the longevity of them and all that stuff. I think the the it's an overblown debate. It's almost like. Um, <sighs> Like, I don't know if it's, um, yeah, like when something happens in the news where everyone kind of gets worked up and has to sort of weigh in, that's felt like what the last two days has felt like. But in reality, if you actually looked at the facts behind the scenario, it's a little bit different than what everyone is saying. Uh, so, and you look at some of the guarantees and stuff, right? I, I'm always concerned about where the running back position is going. When you look at the free agent market, teams are still paying, and it's not like they're paying less than guarantees, right? They pay right around half of guarantees, which has stayed consistent. Uh, throughout the years and and like again it's not inflating right you're not going to get christian mccaffrey type numbers but i'm not super concerned about it i think that's just it's worth noting and hitting on because i think it's a different take out there than like 
the Twitter universe mob has on this topic. Yeah, the one thing you do worry about with the late arrival, you know, if that occurs with Jacobs and and Barkley specifically, is you know, does that lead to an early season injury? Does that lead to an uh, acclimatization injury? So that um, you know, they tweak something, they pull something. Are they going to be motivated on their own? You know, if they are away from the facility, away from the team, away from practice, all that. That really, again, that's what camp is for. You know, you can say that it's a drudgery for the veterans and all this, but it's meant to ramp you up over time, uh, slowly, so that you are ready to play. You know, and you are in fe- you're you're peaking for week one and for uh, the battleground. And if you're away from that, you know, we've seen that not work well for for positions especially running back it's a little different than guard you know that in terms of the the movements you need and the reactions to a number of factors with defenders and everything so that would be one level of concern now i'll just go back and my final point is just again these are these are highly motivated players because you know jacobs and barkley are at ages they can still get paid and like you were talking about extensions with current teams they might be out there next year and someone else, I mean, look at what David Montgomery got. That's good money. Good money for a running back. And we, we would say these two players are superior to David Montgomery, which means at, at an age range uh, of still having multiple years in front of them, they could corral a contract like that next offseason. I mean, you look at, right, I mean, that, my two real like final thoughts on all of these, again, Pollard signed the tag, the other two haven't. Um, there's two things to really watch for would be what I would say. Number one, the team could conceivably pull the tag, which would make him an unrestricted free agent. They could sign. If I was Jacobs or Barkley, I don't think I would love that scenario because there's not a ton of free agent money out there for someone to pay you. So that's, that's a, that's a catch 22 for them on this holdout thing. Again, I don't think that's a likely outcome, but that's just something to sort of keep in the back of your mind. The other thing I would, I would ask the other question I'd really ask is like, what do we think is going to happen with these guys next year? Right. This should be a good free agent running back class, right. Between the two of, between the three of these guys, really, you're going to like, there's quality. I mean, there's leading rushers there. I mean, there's a number two overall pick, right. First rounder uh, with Jacobs as well. Like there is real, real substance to this backfield. Again, you're going to see other guys as well. Eckler, Henry, like what's this mean for them? Right. I don't think the market is going to get like, I think there will be money for that. And I think that there's going to be guarantees for them in, in multiple years going forward. So I'm not super worried about it outside of an injury this year. Number two, we've got Deandre Hopkins signing. He was out there a little bit after uh, being released by Arizona two for 26 with his contract with Tennessee. There's incentives to maybe go a little higher than that. So weighing in on Hopkins versus Traylon Burks, what does that do for Ryan Tannehill? Um, I'll say one point to get get us started here, which is, um, and I was doing a series on yards per route run and kind of looking at all these teams. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, for all the sky is falling Henny Penny talk, 1.98 yards per route run last year. That's a salty number. That's right around a little below his career average, which speaks to how good he's been for how long. Um, he's had a bunch of years over two and well over two. But you thought maybe 2021 was going to be uh, the start of the fall. He bounced right back in 2022. So I think... Uh, he's one that, you know, the he can't carry a passing game is a little overstated. I think he's going to be really good news for Tannehill. They needed help at wide receiver, and it seems like they were the team willing to pay the most. And of all the landing spots, this is probably the best combination of what market share 
could be available in the median outcome and also on the high end outcome. It may not be the biggest passing game explosive wise uh, with numbers and in volume, but for Hopkins to dominate a passing game, this was one of the best, if not the best landing spot available to him. Sure. And I think this has implications for a couple of people. I don't think it's that terrible of news for Chalon Birch. That receiving core two through five, we'll call it, was I think by far in a way a, a bottom three, if not the worst. Uh, two Nick Westbrook-Akita was like super good when yes. you look at the rest of it, right? And not 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 great, not great. So I would sort of so they could just... see 50 percent of the. T- I mean, this could be Miami, not explosively, but this could be Miami in terms of two guys could see that type of market share combination. Hundred percent would agree with that. So that's the that's the thing. I don't think this is a huge indictment on them because they were they um, needed help. They needed a ton of help. They needed bodies, right? They needed bodies. A couple of metrics here on Hopkins as well. Like there was some talk about is he falling off, right? We've seen him decline as against man coverage, which is a sign of a declining player. However, targets per open route run, which is basically just stripping out the uh, contested targets you have from your numbers and then determining how often you were targeted on the rest of your routes, 21.1, which is right about his career median. So again, there's, there was a dip there in 2021. It came back in 2022. So um, not super concerned with that fall off. Again, I think the volume could be there. I think the, maybe the best news for anyone in this is, uh, is actually for Ryan Tannehill because there was a real, he's in the final year's contract. Uh, there's a real incentive, I think, for Tennessee to say, you know, we want to get a look at Will Levis. You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and we're like, I, I think there's a real chance that, you know, that this is a team that starts, you know, four and eight, something like that. It wouldn't be super shocking. And do you want to get a look see uh, at Will Levis for a month because you're going to be picking in the top five or 10 picks of the draft, right? Is that a move you're going to want to make up for a quarterback? in uh, what's going to be a really good class, right? I think that's a decision that they're going to face. I think there's a chance that this makes it less likely that that happens because it appears that they're trying to contend this year, right? As opposed to just sort of running out Traylon Burks, running out Sugar Conquer right. and saying, you know, let's see what the new guy, let's see what the young guys can do, right? This kind of Levis speaks might to be in there by October. In. Yeah, right. They, right. They're going to have more, more incentive to hitch that wagon to Tannehill a lot longer. Yeah, and, and the other thing too, like sort of similar line of thought, uh, Derek Henry, like I thought there was a non-zero chance. I didn't think it was a huge chance, but there's a non-zero chance he gets traded at some point. I think this again makes that less likely because this seems like a team that's going to try and compete this year where yeah. you could have said, you know, if they want to sort of flip the script, Derek Henry, can we get a, you know, some sort of mid-round pick for a team that has a banged up running back in season and just see what we have with Tajay Spears going into the off season, right? Like I, I think that that makes those outcomes a little bit less likely. Yeah, it, it's crazy looking at Ryan Tannehill's uh, seasonal stuff, and you can clearly see when he had AJ Brown and when he hasn't. AJ <laughs> Brown made him a, a you know a nine percent, ten percent touchdown rate guy. Last two seasons without him, five point nine percent and six point one percent respectively. So they've been searching. You know that trade. I you know I heard on another show they were talking about. You know it sounds great in a vacuum. You know you trade AJ Brown, you don't pay him, you get a first round pick. Oh, we're just going to pick Traylon Burks. You know we're going to get a good. Well, we'll see you know, how, how homeless of a version he is of AJ Brown or how close he gets. Cause it, 
you're you're paying him less, but you're getting way less. You know, at least you did last year. And they bring in Hopkins, still way less than AJ Brown. But at some point, you got to replicate what Tannehill had when he was at his peak powers, which is very good. You know, when you consider his career arc and what Miami held. So I think it's really good news if you have Tannehill in your quarterback two, three rotation in Dynasty, you feel better that he can be more of a bridge than you thought of maybe, like you said, getting replaced at a certain point during the season, that they're going to be in it to win it. You know, you don't bring in Hopkins at all unless you're like, we can win this division and we can hang. And and I, I just, everything is pointing in that direction. And I do think the more I've thought about it and stewed around, I do think Hopkins has some top 20 outs you know, for this season, volume wise, it could be pretty good. And I, I haven't seen though, I, I've talked to a lot of people about, Hey, kick the tires on Traylon Burke. See if there's a discount there. No discount <laughs> is what I've seen so far. So you may have to wait till in season and people really start seeing eight, 10 targets for Deandre Hopkins and maybe a couple down games for Burks. And that's when the discount might occur or an injury, obviously, but it, it is not really out there in the market. People aren't really running off of that positioning at this present time. And then finally, uh, we've got Evan Ingram back with Jacksonville. There's a lot of tea leaves, you know, mutual interest in a contract. You saw that throughout the offseason. Three for 41, 24 guaranteed to stay there. That's that's really nice money for a guy that was on a one-year prove-it deal uh, after he gets out of the Giants and didn't end super well with the Giants, how they're utilizing him. Well, Jacksonville utilized him. Career year, when you look at health, some big plays being back, Jacksonville rising, uh, and Good weapons all around. Evan Ingram is going to stay there. It's probably a two-year deal with a team kind of option for a third based on the number of contracts I look at on an annual basis and how this one looks. But uh, but yeah, Evan Ingram here is going to stay attached to Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, certainly good news. I think it's good news for Trevor Lawrence. I think it's good news for Evan Ingram. Right, Doug Peterson has consistently shown the ability to get a lot out of the tight ends. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and his time in... Uh, with Philadelphia. Yeah. You look at it, they can uh, get out after 2024. Basically it would be a two year, $25.5 million number. Uh, they would take out a, a lot of dead cap in that 2025 season with almost 13 and a half million. Oh, but his okay. cap hit would be uh, almost $20 million that year. So again, that's, that feels a lot like a, Hey, you get extended off of that. You know, if it, you know, that's that would be your third. It'd be age thirty-one for him. Uh, so maybe that's a, either extension or a, um, uh, you know, cut at that time. I think this is interesting because, like, where does this put him in dynasty? Right, you've seen him available outside the top ten. Right, I've seen him after like alarmingly late in startup drafts. Right after guys like Michael Mayer, after guys like Sam Laporta, which I think is just kind of crazy talk uh you saw david joku go in front of him i think that's a little bit more justifiable but you've seen him like into the teens which is just crazy i think he's got as like a an argument like with goddard if you were ranking tight ends like i think there's a fair argument between the two of those guys and ingram is being treated rounds and rounds and rounds later so i think exploring the space on what his value is especially if you want to pivot down from somebody right? if you want to pivot down from you know, uh, uh, Goddard, uh, and, and try and make an upgrade someplace else. I think Evan Ingram's a really good landing spot. Yeah. And, and I think in that bucket, I have them in the same tier. You mentioned Goddard and a few other guys, I have them all in the same tier of the rankings. And I think the, the concern you have with Ingram is the passing game is going to revolve around him. You know, Christian Kirk had a, a good year last year. We'll see Ridley's going to provide more probably than they got from any other non 
Kirk receiver. So like it's going to be spread around. And so he's not really a prime candidate to be one of those. I'm going to challenge the very top of the position. I'm going to be within two points per game of Kelsey, you know, or like, or Andrews. Like, I don't think he's that type of profile, but he's right there with everybody else. If you say, let's take those guys out. Who do we have left? Um, but I I think that don't expect him to to rise up and have that elite upside, but can he post two or three top 12 seasons? Absolutely. Now, how much does that matter? Like, I think that's a different discussion than we have to rank everybody, right? You're in the ranking business and you have to have tight ends all the way through, even if you don't think, you know, they're part of the have nots. Um, I do think it's interesting to see how much higher Pat Firemuth, for example, like I don't think yes. he has a big ceiling. And I think that, that Ingram might have more outs for who's going to, of those guys who could finish at tight end three, who could finish at tight end five. Like, I think that's Evan Ingram more so. Uh, David Njoku is also an interesting guy. I think you could argue Ingram has more upside than Njoku. Now, if Watson comes all the way back, maybe we're having a different discussion in October because that offense looks nuclear and a lot better. Um, so I think that one's interesting. But uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think that bucket of guy, the the next guys, is you're kind of jostling around. And I agree with you on Laporta and uh, some of these others that it's just... I it's a big leap of faith and it's not like Evan Ingram's 33 years old. So you got to be careful with uh, uh, punishing him too much for that, that giant's time. Cause that's not where we are today. Yeah. One other thing of note as well, like when you look at him last year, he ranked uh, third in tight end routes, right? at the position. So there's a lot of volume there. Uh, he's a high participant, uh, you know, 98th percentile in terms of route participation last year for So this isn't a guy that's going to hang in and be blocking a ton. He's going to be on the field. But that's an actual concern with Fryermuth, right? I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a legitimate concern with Fryermuth. Um, you know, I think, I think. Well, any room yeah. actually has the upside. You know, he actually has the athletic upside to move like a wide receiver and have gains of 15, 20 plus yards. And not every tight end has that. So let's we can't slough that off either because plenty of these guys are catch and generally fall down. So catch and two guys are on you immediately because you have tight end athleticism. You don't have offensive weapon athleticism. All right. Uh, did I get enough this week? Uh, we're going back to quarterbacks. And this is an interesting one because I know you are above market on Lamar Jackson. And so we are going to mix in in Superflex, we got Justin Herbert and a 25 first for Lamar Jackson and Stefan Diggs. A lot going on here. Um, I think I like, uh, I think the the first thing I would say is I like Justin Herbert as a real chance to finish his quarterback one this year. And I think he's got a chance to lead the league in passing. Right? The If everything sort of comes around for him, I think he has a, like as high of a ceiling as, as pretty much anybody. Um, so that's kind of the, my sort of take on him, right? There is a scenario where he starts to slide and isn't running as much. And that kind of takes off some of the ceiling. It looks a little bit more like Dak Prescott statistically. Um, so I'm, I'm I have a higher uh, view of his ceiling. I think than some people might, um, I also have a high view of Lamar Jackson's ceiling this year, because I think they're going to throw the ball up. Um, it's the summer of Mark Andrews for a reason, right? Um, <laughs> so this is making me choose juice is dripping down your chin like yeah, the Mackinac peach. Does it come down to like, all right, it feels like a 2025 first is too cheap for Stefan Diggs, right? And right. so like I usually start with the quarterbacks. 
I yeah. think they're close, right? I think if I had to pick between the two of them, I would take Herbert. But it comes back to like, all right, is that a fair price to pay for Diggs? And it feels cheap for Diggs. So I, I'm kind of leaning the Jackson Diggs side on this because the quarterbacks are close and that doesn't feel like it's close on the dig side. Okay. I'll take Herbert. I, I think I have a little bit more of a gap. I do have them in the same tier, but I have them separated by a few spots. Um, like you said, I, I just, when I play this out over the next three to five and that the quarterback and then maybe certain tight ends and certain formats qualify under this guys, but looking out that far, I think a quarterback is warranted, you know, especially when you're talking about cornerstone pieces high up your depth chart. And I'm very comfortable with Herbert, you know, that what we've seen our quibbles are, I mean, they throw the ball plenty. Look what they just did. They're like running game. <laughs> We're not going to address that at all. Let's bring Quentin Johnston in the first round. They brought everybody back. I can't imagine this team if they're all healthy. They were riddled last year. I mean, imagine Allen, Williams, Johnston, Palmer. Imagine all of them healthy. In, uh, Everett. If they're healthy for like 12 games, all of them together, what you just said, I mean, he could lead the league in passing. He could be tight end. Uh, sorry, he could be quarterback one or two. And he's a guy that I choose not to run. Another Seinfeld reference. We get him in there. and But but he's someone that could run for 500 yards if he wanted to. He doesn't want to. Why? He's diabolically good as a passer. Well, so, he was hurt last year, right? That yeah. Took a well, big I just, step back. But yeah. you just look at all these factors, and that's what makes the ceiling so explosive. We talk about seeking elite results. I mean, Herbert is the categorization of that. The Chargers offense, the Chargers passing game is the epitome of that for this year. Like, they were, they were my choice. I actually recorded a show on... You know, what's a team that's going to go from good to great or average to great from last year to this year? And I picked the Chargers. Like, I just look at all these factors. And so I understand you're picking up digs. You're only given a first. But I just have way more confidence in how does Herbert develop, season, mature over three to five. He, in his later 20s, he's going to be so freaking good. Like, like his ability, like, because they get better. These quarterbacks that start like this as passers, just shredding the league when you get to like 28 to 33 you're so good like he's going to be that one of those guys and Lamar Jackson again he had that one good passing year and maybe I'm underselling him a little bit but he had that one breakout passing year and then now he's had a little bit of injury I know they're going to commit they're going to double down he's going to pass the ball more I get all this I just have way more questions and I think you get that first you give up digs it's a big deal I get it but that first as we know if you use that on wide receiver, you can get in the relative neighborhood zip code of Stefan Diggs in season. If you're light and you're like, oh, losing Diggs was a big deal to me. I think if you shop that first around that or a first, it, you will have some options that you can get. I mean, right now, if you're worried, try a second for Tyler Lockett and see just see how the first month or two goes. Again, I, I think there's ways to work around that. So I'll take Herbert. I'll take the first and and kind of figure it out as we go. And if Diggs is a top five wide receiver and Lamar bounces all the way back to what it, his year two was, yeah, I mean, short term, I think that it might look like you lost a little bit. But I think a couple years from now, it's going to look like a pretty easy Herbert side. Expected points per game last year for Herbert, eighth. He finished 16th. Expected mm. points per game for Lamar Jackson, seventh, and he finished seventh. So, ah. again, he missed some time. But, yeah. um, like, I, I think both of them 
are in a spot where they can improve offensively because they have, I think, more optimized offensive coordinators. So I think both of them could take a step forward. Right? I, again, yeah. this is a tough call yeah. for me, and I think I put a little bit more weight on the dig side yeah. of it probably than yeah. you do. Yeah, that's why. And I, I thought it was going to be a good one to discuss because I thought it was within the scope of we could pick different sides. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got uh, – let's do one here for the uh, the regular dynasty trades this week. we got Jalen Waddell for Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks. So, like, this one's easy for me was kind of my reaction. Um, you take two unproven wide receivers and you package them for a proven guy, and that's a deal you do all the time. Okay. And you package them for a first-round guy who has first-round pedigree. Um, maybe with Tyreek Hill there, he doesn't have the elite – elite ceiling, right? Tyreek Hill's just going to soak up a, a more of that offense, but there's not a real three there. I mean, who's like quick. If you're listening to this, who's the <laughs> starting tight end for Miami this year? He's on right? a lot of waiver wires teaser. Yeah. Um, and it's Durham Smythe, right? And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, that's Waddle and Hill's target competition right so yeah it's like 50 percent target share like that's the back that's the passing game we always talk about i mean yeah. they both were eating massively at a buffet last yeah. year yeah and Didn't you're matter. trading two what i would consider big question marks right burks with some of the preparedness stuff the health last year you get you know there's some of that narrative stink around him a little bit uh and james williams coming off suspension i mean this is waddle running away Right. This yeah. is while catching a streaking over route with like no defenders around him. Like that's yeah. how open he, this is. This is an easy one. Yeah. I wanted to find a waddle trade where Jordan was just like all over the waddle side because I know, <laughs> because I, I know I've mentioned before, you know, that I haven't met, I think it's wide receiver three or four, you know, in dynasty. And it's like, and, and you've talked more than, well, it's a big bucket, you know, basically. And I'm like, well, I, so I kind of have to sell waddle to you like sometimes. No, you so can I, sell I, him real easily here. Exactly. <laughs> We're selling this one. I was like, you know, like someone, I'm sure someone in their head is like, well, Jameson Williams, top 10 pick, Traylon Burks round one. This is all going to be gravy. Giving up a guy that's been rocks. I mean, I don't think people realize how good Jalen was. 2.59 yards per route run last year. That's like Jefferson, right? I mean, that's, yeah. he's up at like Jefferson for his career. But Tyreek Hill is just on another world. He's so good. And Miami is so good with those two guys. And everybody else is just like in the shadows. Like they don't even count on that passing game. And for good reason, they have two dominators. Mm-hmm. All right. We have, so we have, we have time. Let's run through this other one. One quarterback. We got Najee Harris and two eleven for Samaje P Ryan and one Oh two. So this is basically Najee Harris for Jameer Gibbs, right? Isn't that what the straight is? Essentially. Yeah. I mean, I think you would reset the clock with Jameer Gibbs, right? I mean, that's, uh, I, I, when you put this, I said, this is a Chad loving Jameer Gibbs type of trade. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I feel like, we talk about Najee Harris being a value, but I think the talking point and the the takeaway here is, but still you need to know the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, the market varies by league, but if someone asks for 102, which is Jameer Gibbs as a proxy here in, in one quarterback land, his level of pedigree resetting to 21 years old, Najee is older than most people would guess offhand. And again, liking him when he's valued at his requisite point of, you know, maybe running back 12, 15, somewhere in that zone is that's different than saying, I'm going to pay one Oh two, you know, for a 25 year old that some people think is leaking oil. Again, I'm, I'm more bullish on Najee. I'm above the market, but man, paying one Oh two, like I'm fine paying one Oh five. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're giving up a 
round one wide receiver coming into the NFL. Fine with that. But man, paying paying big time prices. Yeah. And and if you were to do 102 for Najee, why are you giving Smaje P. Ryan? Get a better like if this is actually like I almost think like 102 for Najee and 105 is like more appropriate than this deal, right? Someone moving up for Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. And it's not going to move very far. You're not going to move back to 110 or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I just man. And you're giving up P. Ryan. Like you don't give up P. Ryan today. You wait. No. Yeah. You wait in the weeds. Yeah. Yep. So for life and dynasty this week, lessons learned and putting that connection between our other life and our dynasty life. Uh, Jordan, you are up this week. So this is a little bit of some self-reflection going on. This is a little bit dynasty related, but I do like to think about uh, my decisions and you know keep track of them. Right? You talked about having a trade journal. Right? We both have articles we write. We both have podcasts we record, tweets we put out, which are always fun to go back and look at. Uh, and and kind of go back and evaluate, right? I like to go back, look at my decisions in the past. I've applied it to Dynasty this week. Um, some of the Trey Lance takes from a year ago, my God, it is amazing. We need a dramatic reading of some of these tweets and about how locked in and how it was a sure thing that he was Jalen Hurts, like 2.0. Like it was, it's a guarantee. Like that's a worst case scenario type of deal, right? Let's have a little bit of humility uh, and let's have, you know, let's be reflective on our misses, right? I, I wasn't saying that, right? It's worth noting that I was like, hey, let's pump the brakes. That's a crazy assumption to make as a floor that he's Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, that's Jalen Hurts pre-MVP candidacy. But, um, yeah, I just think kind of having a little bit of humility, right? Going back and looking at some of those things. And right, you go back and look at some of those statements that people are making, now they're making the same types of statements about Justin Fields, right? And so again, like you keep, you kind of go back and whether it's your own stuff, whether it's looking at what other people have done, right? Do you trust, you know, I, I have a work situation right now where it's, you know, dealing with someone's past and I, I'm, you know, there's people are asking questions of me because I know about a specific uh, person's past a little bit more than everyone else does in, in my, in my, in my other life. Uh, and I'm like, you know, sometimes people do things and maybe they change, but <laughs> I, you can still kind of hold it against them of what they've done in the past, right? Kind of learning from the past and, and, and uh, taking that as a precursor into the future, I think is important, you know, looking at the field stuff and, and having a good solid self-evaluation of your past, I think is, is a really, uh, is a really important thing. Yeah. And, and it's funny when you look back at static points of time, whether it's dynasty rankings, uh, a rookie board, um, but I mean, think back. I mean, Russell Wilson was also going to be, oh, you know, he's going to be great. You know, great in Denver last year. Not great. You know, Geno Smith was a, co- uh, a career bust. Like there's so many things that change for a season. Like I, I saw some list of all the things like that we forget about the NFL season that happened nine months ago that, that it's easy to wash it under the rug and we reset and we almost get that like laser. Is it uh, what's the movie when they, when they wipe the memories with uh, Will Smith and yeah, there's the Manchurian candidate, right? But that's not the one you're talking about. No, no, no. Oh, it's a, uh... yeah, it's all the aliens anyway. Yeah. 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 I know. What anyway, you're talking about, yeah. But, but yeah, wipes your memory. And, and so I think we get our memory wipes sometimes and we almost need, I almost need a journal. Like, I think I used to do it. I used to do like an audio book where every week I'd record a chapter so you can like remember the season and kind of talk through all the twists and turns for Dynasty. But I just think that we forget 
all the craziness that happens in a season. Like you go, oh yeah, like remember when this quarterback started for a month and a half on this team? Yeah, that was a train wreck. Remember that? Like this team fell in the tank. You know, so we talk about scenarios like where you're like, oh, the Rams could be like two and eight and they're going towards being horrible at the end of the season. Like, like mentioning things like that now is instructive because there's going to be plenty of storylines that by the time we get to 12 months from now, we'll forget about the season before because I, I think it's easy. And with your dynasty teams, you know, like we have to go over scenarios of what if we're wrong because we're wrong a lot. And it's amazing to think of what dynasty success as an owner and a team you can have by being wrong a lot. Like I really feel it's like it's be wrong less than your league mates. Now, that's not a sexy phrase to maybe you don't want to trumpet that, let's say. Like instead of seeking elite results, I don't think we should end shows by saying eh, suck less than your league mates. Like and we're we're gonna make it so you suck a little less. <laughs> like that's double negative, you know, like don't suck. Okay. <laughs> uh I, I'm not sure that should be on billboards and shirts everywhere. So uh yeah, but I think I think the humility, as you said, of just be open to being wrong, especially with prospects especially with unproven players. And that's why, what do we do? We profile hunt, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have at least a lot more data points. What I like about quarterbacks, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I like quarterbacks because the sample size is bigger. Mm -hmm. Like we, it's almost like at bats, right? You get a bunch of at bats with baseball players as a, you know, NBA, you get a lot of shots and, and, but with like, say tight ends, you don't maybe get a lot of targets project a breakout player at tight end. It's tough. You might be talking about a player that has 50 targets in the, in, in the NFL quarterback. At least you get a few seasons. They've thrown thousands of passes. Mm-hmm. So it's at least, you know, sample size wise, it's a little more comfortable. All right. Uh, what is on the premium side this week of dynasty think tank? So we went almost an hour after hours. We recorded actually before the show, right off the jump. Great. We, we caught all the good content of our normal pregame conversation. Every word. And, and we went we went deep on some fun stuff, talking about um, good stories about actually how we got started, uh, yeah. how you and I got started. Uh, and it's funny, like, you know. I have, I have Alzheimer's. Jordan remembers like it was yesterday. I remember, I remember it. I remember it all. But it's funny the, the arc email. of this of the show is like seven yeah. years, right? We've been yeah. doing this for seven years. And you know, we've been it was at UTH and then we did the football guy stuff, and now we're CJ. doing this. And 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 honestly, like we've talked about this before, and I think it kind of comes through like the the content that we can kind of put out, the things we can kind of talk about. I, I just like to give more to listeners, right? And I think that the after hours thing is a good it's a good way of doing that. We obviously go deeper dive as well each week. You did an office hour, so you just get more of it. And I think it's, um, you know, it'll help you in dynasty and it, you kind of get to know us a little bit more as well. So a lot of fun stuff over there at the whole kind of genesis of, of, uh, of our working relationship uh, is I think a fun story. And we tell it over there on after hours and then dive deep on the NFC West, which, you know, I think there's some really interesting questions yeah. and one of our favorite running backs is in that division. And please stay to the end of the uh, of the the premium show oh, yeah. because we have because, our cardio again, test. We have the cardio test, and again, so you're gonna you're gonna hear all about it. We actually got to a final point where we're gonna recon it the next week or so, and come back and we'll discuss it on after hours again next week. 
Uh, and it's going to happen in the next few weeks. So that's going to be additional content that we did last year. And again, I think it's just a, a really good annual tradition to uh, put ourselves in a stress test, if you will, of something that middle-aged men can be capable of, but yet it's going to stress us in different and uh, unorthodox ways from what we're used to in some capacity. But you got to get through. I will say this. Jordan went so deep on the cycling talk. <laughs> like I learned more than I... I've thought about cycling in the last couple of hours more than the last five years combined. So Jordan is in this. He's betting on cycling, ladies and gentlemen. So just know, just get through that part. Again, it's interesting. I'm the type that when it's a subject that someone else is passionate about, I'm interested. So I love hearing about it. And so um, I was asking questions and and going deep with, uh, it's not even called the Triple Crown, Jordan, but I'm going to keep calling it the Triple Crown. Uh, of the the tour day tour day europe we should almost call it uh but anyway get through that you'll hear a lot about the cardio test at the end and it's a super long episode so like jordan said i mean pressing recording from the, from the beginning capturing it all that's really what after hours is and that's us you know catching up for the week from from our lives and not being on this specific show um it's more of just the the fun a lot of different topics going in and out of football um and sometimes uh not much football but again that is something that Folks always want more, and we've always talked about Patreon being about going behind the curtain, and that's exactly what you get over at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank. So that's going to do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL at McNamara Dynasty. We also have our own Dynasty content streams over there at analyticsofdynasty.com and utsdynasty.com. As always, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. 